The Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity welcomes you to Five Minutes, Five Issues. Starting in five, four, three, two, one. Hello, I am Adam Dick, a Ron Paul Institute Senior Fellow. Let's start. Issue one. In January, Ron Paul Institute Executive Director Daniel McAdams wrote of Washington Post columnist Jennifer Rubin as the neocon nag who, looking across the bloody landscape of the United States government's interventions in Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, and Syria, sees a beautiful work in progress. Rubin is described differently in her Post biography. That biography refers to her as offering reported opinion from a conservative perspective. In her Friday column, Rubin says conservatives should not support Donald Trump and should instead support a new center-right party that rejects what she calls Trumpism. Rubin only briefly mentions foreign policy in her column's criticism of Trump, maybe because many self-described conservatives oppose a never-ending foreign intervention Rubin cheers. But don't be fooled. Donald Trump's failure to parrot the uber-interventionist line is a big part of why Rubin and other warmongering conservatives oppose him. Issue 2 In his Friday speech at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, President Barack Obama suggested libertarians should be more accepting of government because U.S. Special Forces, as Obama tells it, are making sure that folks aren't blowing up our buildings. But the truth is that the U.S. military, including Special Forces, intervening around the world, motivates blowback attacks on Americans. Blowback can include blowing up buildings. Obama could learn this and much more from libertarians. Issue 3 After the February 13th Republican presidential debate, much hope was expressed that Donald Trump would, as president, pursue a rather non-interventionist foreign policy. The hope arose from Trump's answer that the Iraq War was a big fat mistake, supported by former President George W. Bush's lying about weapons of mass destruction. Trump declared the U.S. has destabilized the Middle East and should have never been in Iraq. Then, in the March 10th debate, Trump crushed much of that hope. Asked if more U.S. troops should be deployed to fight the Islamic State, Trump said the U.S. has no choice but to knock out ISIS. Continuing, Trump called for large-scale military action, including sending, he estimates, 20,000 to 30,000 troops. Are you feeling deja vu? Remember presidential candidate Barack Obama criticizing Bush's wars? Once in office, Obama continued those wars and started new ones. Issue 4 The Texas Department of Public Safety fired state cop Brian T. Encinilla on March 2nd. Encinilla gained notoriety after on July 10th he physically abused and arrested Sandra Bland, whose car he had pulled over for changing lanes without using a turn signal. Contributing to the decision to fire Encinilla were both his improper actions towards Bland and the grand jury's indictment of him for perjury related to his description of his interaction with Bland. Many people think a perjury charge and even conviction are insufficient to bring justice. Still, as I highlighted in a December Ron Paul Institute blog post, indicting cops for perjury may provide a relatively sure way to take bad cops off the beat. Issue 5 Some people are complaining that Donald Trump's campaign is violating the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution 
or similar state constitution provisions when the campaign removes protesters from Trump's campaign speeches. The complaint may have merit if Trump just wandered into some public park and started talking. There he would have no grounds to prevent protesting. Everyone could speak freely and over each other. But that is not the situation. Trump's campaign rents venues for presenting the candidate's speeches. As Future of Freedom Foundation President Jacob Hornberger explains in a Tuesday editorial, the First Amendment only restricts government action, not private action, and under principles of private property, Trump is free to run his rallies the way he wants, including by barring and kicking out opponents, protesters, disruptors, and even the press, if he so chooses. Indeed, private property is regularly used to facilitate speech, including by ensuring a cacophony does not drown out a speaker's voice. That's a wrap. A transcript of this episode, including links to related information, is at the Ron Paul Institute blog. Five, four, three, two, one.